Welcome to Graduating Grief, a podcast designed to help you step back into living your life with joy after loss. If you're ready to move from surviving to thriving, you've come to the right place. Here's your host and inspirationista, Sherry Dunleavy. Ani Machowski is a mom of six. She's also a licensed therapist and a life and wellness coach for super moms who have lost themselves underneath their capes. She empowers mom to moms to escape the do-it-all mentality and break through the limiting beliefs that are keeping them from becoming their best selves. Her mission as the founder of the Moms Without Capes movement is to help women discover and fall in love with who they are inside and out of their mom hat so that they can design the life they want to be living. It sounds like we are kindred souls, and I'm so glad to be speaking with you today, Ani. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So as moms, I think we are. We, they, they think they think we're super women. We can yes. do it all, and we've proven that we can do it all. All that's missing is the cape. You're right. Um, but why was this movement... Because a movement is different than just having an interest in this. It's a movement. Why is it so important to you? Um, well, I myself struggled with it. I had for years um, taken on so much thinking that was what I needed to do in order to be a good mom in, in air quotes right there. And so I know what that struggle is like. Um, plus, we are faced with society's expectations of us as moms, like that hustle culture, having to do more, more, more. And we hear all out about like balancing and, you know, moms who work versus moms who stay at home. And it's such an, um, it's such a stigma that surrounds like just this idea that we have to do it all. And so by creating Moms Without Capes, by, by finding that or founding that, however you say that, it um, my goal is, my mission is to help break through that mentality, help break through that hustle culture and help moms realize that they are worthy of prioritizing themselves and to break free from the perfectionism and the people pleasing and the unrealistic expectations that we ourselves hold about mothers. Okay. So we as mothers do that. Okay. So we as mothers do that and have done that through a pandemic. Yes. Okay. And, and then, you know, this ties in with the grieving women that are out there as well. So it's like, we keep continually putting ourselves further back, further back, further back. What's the consequence what are the consequences that we can face if we do not really step up into our own self-love and our own self-care? Because that's what we're focusing on today. So with the pandemic, especially, we have seen um, a detrimental effect on our, mother, our, on our mental health as moms, um, our mental, our emotional health. And by putting yourself last or not even focusing on yourself at all, you end up um, just, it increases your risk of, of mental health disorders. Um, depression, anxiety is like through the roof at this point, especially um, because of the pandemic. And we 
it's just, I, I don't even know another word as far as like just detrimental to mothers, especially. Something's going to give. Something's yes. going to give if we, if we don't start somewhere. So, so let's just go there. Where, where do we even start with this? So it's hard. It is so hard, especially when you are not used to putting yourself on your to-do list. Um, We have lots of things vying for our attention these days. And if you struggle with people-pleasing or perfectionism, you are at more risk because you feel that you need to make everyone else happy. You need to make, take care of everyone and everything around you. And you're running around like a chicken with your head off, like just not having any direction. We've given up ourselves, um, any dreams, any aspirations. We think, oh, we'll we'll do that when our kids turn 18. And we get further and further sucked into that hustle culture. And so it's hard to start. And it really is shifting those underlying beliefs, believing that you are worthy of love and attention. Because a lot of times we hide as moms, we hide behind our to-do list. And so recognizing that you need to prioritize yourself, not more than your family, but as much as your family, and that you're worthy of that prioritizing is going to be the big thing that has to happen. But in my Facebook group, I focus a lot on self-care because we're doers. We, we, we like action. We feel like we're more productive when we are doing things. And so I focus a lot on self-care and just doing small acts of self-care and self-care really is, it falls under that self-love. Of course, Mm -hmm. self-love is, you know, believing, changing the way you feel about yourself and towards yourself and how you treat yourself, but self-care falls under that umbrella and it's an actionable step. And so when we think of self-care, we think a lot um, like, and this is, you know, society and companies like they promote this, like, you know, massages and bubble baths and nail polish, like doing your nails, manicures, yeah. like all of those, those things. And while that of course can be considered self-care, I take it even smaller than that because moms especially do not have the time and they may not have the money or the resources to be able to do big, luxurious things such as that. And so I work under the five pillars of self-care, and this is really just the five pillars of wellness. And so it's the physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, and social, and working on focusing on those five pillars and coming up with what you can do to recharge, to fill your cup. And so say physical self-care is is typically what you may think of when you think of self-care, like taking care of like what you're eating, what you're putting in your body, moving your body, getting enough sleep. And then you've got the emotional pillar, which is, you know, going to therapy, journaling, getting in touch with how you feel and you, and what you're thinking, because your thoughts are influencing your feelings. And as moms, we don't even give ourselves that time to think like it's, it's rare that, especially the moms that are doing all the things, they're not giving themselves that space in order to hear their own thoughts and to get in touch with what they're feeling. They're so concerned about everybody else that they're not reflecting on their own feelings. And so that emotional self-care is super important. 
And then you've got the spiritual self-care. This isn't tied to any specific religion. This is really just getting in touch with the bigger universe, the universe around you, and making sure that you're getting outside each day and maybe doing some stargazing or some cloud watching, some meditation, some praying, like whatever it is that's going to fill your cup that falls into that spiritual realm. And then intellectual is stimulating your mind making sure that you're challenging yourself. This might mean learning a new language or like learning even one word of a different language each day, watching TED Talks, reading. That's my, that's one of my favorite practices of self-care is reading, but like just reading for enjoyment and not, you know, you may enjoy some self-development books or some nonfiction, but making sure that you're also engaging in some some reading or some challenging, yeah, some pleasure reading and and stimulating your mind, learning new things. And then finally, you've got the social self-care and that's where you're investing in your relationships because as humans, that's, that's so important is the relationships. That's how you get to know yourselves. And moms tend to lose themselves after they have kids, right? Like they, they, their identity is tied to their role as a mother. And so you get to the certain point where you're like, who am I? And I've had moms cry to me before saying, I don't even know who I am. Like, I don't know what it is I like. So when we talk about self-care, it's hard for them to even make that bridge to say like, I don't know what, what I do for self-care. I don't know what it is that fills my cup. I don't even know what it is I like anymore because they've been so consumed with doing everything for everyone else. And so part of my job is to help them recognize that they are their own person. They're allowed to have their own dreams and their own wants and their own desires and to start separating themselves so they can practice, like, so they can engage in that self-discovery piece. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately that self-love piece right. and where that is how they, how they feel about themselves. So there's so much that I want to, I want to go back to with you. And um, the first one is that, that comes to mind is, is that the thing that I hear, especially from uh, women, uh, they don't know what they want. One of the things I always chat when I'm, when I'm speaking to groups, I, when you put your everything into anything or anyone else and it disappears you're left with this complete stranger michelle and um you don't know like there are so many moms i know that don't even know what ice cream they like because they've never bought anything other than what their kids and their husband like right you don't even know (laughs) what kind of ice cream you like that's like sounds insane to me right Mm -hmm. um but what about the pushback because any time that you change your routine, you ch- you know you get pushback, even from your husband, from your children, from your work. Um, we know that things have to change, but how do we strengthen ourselves in confidence to handle that pushback that will come? So I love that you bring this up because I also talk about a lot about boundaries. And when you're changing yourself, there's going to be a natural ripple effect that others it's like this dance that you've been doing for so long and now you want to change the step you want to change how you're doing things yourself and everyone around you is so used to you giving and giving and giving and not take like not taking or not giving anything to yourself and so everyone around you your kids your husband your your partner um 
people at work, coworkers, like everyone is, has to adjust to make room for you and the changes that you're making. And so confidence is a skill. It can be learned and confidence is built through action. And so it's almost like a positive reinforcement. When you start taking care of yourself and you start doing these things, you start saying no, which is a skill, right? Like learning how to say no, getting comfortable with um, saying like I statements and being able to protect your time, space, and energy. As you do that, it becomes reinforcing that you can do this and that the world's not going to fall apart. That, you know, you have to let go of that that control. And, yeah. and that's a scary thing to do. But on the opposite end of control is trust. And so in order to be able to trust yourself, you have to let go of some, some of that control. And that's scary. Super moms love to have a lot of control or super women, like, because we do, we, we have our hands in everything. And so being able to say no and step back and being able to protect your own resources, that's going to have an effect but that's going to be reinforcing and it's going to be communication, especially with like the other people in your life, communicating, like, this is what I need. This is what, this is what I need. And being able to say that is something that takes practice and skill and to get comfortable doing that, but it's so worth it. It's yeah. We always say (laughs) self-care is not selfish. Um, It is is necessary, you know, and and it's that, you know, if you want to be able to, you're, you, you say you're a caring person. Well, if you want to be able to care for everyone else, you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be strong. You have to be fulfilled. You have to be physically fit. You have to, you know, you have to be mentally and emotionally fit. You cannot be drained on all on all of those facets that you just mentioned and expect to be your best and give your best. You, you right. just can't. Right. And so, for years we have, you have to be a recipient <laughs> as well. I heard a quote, my girlfriend told me she, she was listening to a Brene Brown book and she said, um, setting boundaries allows me to love you and myself at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a great quote. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and very we, true. we so always very think true. about loving others, but you have to love yourself too. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason that I wanted to have you on here is because this, this, this goes along with, with grief, you know, we want to carry on. We don't realize what grief and trauma can do like even just, I I always tell people, if you just were, if you just made it through the pandemic, that was hard enough in of itself, right? Hard enough in of itself. But if you made it through the pandemic and you had to change your life in any other way, like if you lost people you loved, if you've lost your marriage, if you've lost, you know, um, your right to go to work or even your job, you are grieving. You are grieving. So this is compounded Mm -hmm. and it's so much more than what we can handle. And I think that's why everyone is living on edge right now. And I think honestly, um, it has to go back to, we all have to own our own self Mm -hmm. and grow our own self and nurture our own self 
so that we can be there for the world. It, it starts in our own backyard. It yes. starts in our own, but it starts with us. Our healing starts with us, you know, our, our kindness and our, our mission to, you know, take care of others. It has to start with us. Right. We are 100% responsible for our own life. There's nobody more responsible for it than we are. So it is our responsibility in order to, to thrive. So why do you think it's so much tougher now um, for moms today? Um, do you, I just feel like the, there's so much more pressure and stress on moms today than there were even 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Why do you think that is? There's lots of reasons. There's lots of reasons. What, but when you first asked that question, what came up was like remote learning, yeah. <laughs> which is really funny. I homeschooled for like eight years. And when my kids had since gone back to school, like they start, like some of them had never gone to school. And so they resumed school, they started school and everything. And then when the pandemic hit and we were responsible for doing like zoom calls and being on the timetables of kids. I mean, of teachers and everything, it was a whole different ball game. And I was at that point, like, I just can't do this anymore. Like asking for help. Right. Like I think since, you know, past 30 years, like I think of my own mom and what she was going through. And there was this one time when she, um, I think of this time often she, paid for my eyeglasses. I was probably like maybe five, 10 years into being a mom. And just a little side note, my oldest child is 22 and we have all the way down to our youngest is eight. And so I was about five years into being a mom. And I remember her, like I was a stay at home mom and she gave me money for the glasses. And she was like, I just want you to know, like you are like, I'm so proud of like the way that you're doing being a mom. Like that was like my main job. And like, she gave me that closet. And I, that always stuck with me because I was like, I felt like I had no other choice, but to be like, like I had my kids, I had two kids at that point. Like that wasn't like, she was rewarding me for something that I felt like this is just what I have to do. I have to do this. And yet, as I went through like my life and meeting other moms and like how they're doing motherhood, like I was like, there are so many different ways to do this. Like I had so many, so much pressure on me to do like to be the perfect mom. And I don't know if that existed 30 years ago. I'm sure it did. I'm sure all along there was those expectations like, and things have changed. I mean, we have come along in like women's rights and being able to work outside the home. Like those kind of things have definitely changed through the, through the centuries and decades and all of that. But I feel that nowadays, like with technology, with um, just the, the way of the world, like we have, we're fighting against, there's so many things, like I said, buying for our attention vying for our, um, we, there's so many opportunities and mm-hmm. so many options. And so just, there's just so much. And you get bigger and bigger and there's bigger and then so it becomes much. overwhelm, right? Yes, it, it does. It all adds to overwhelm mm-hmm. and it's, it's harder to simplify. It's harder to choose like what is important and what are the values that like, I want to live my life through by. Right. 
and so it, it, I feel like it definitely has changed and it's evolved, mm-hmm. but I feel like that hustle culture has become worse and worse where we're yeah. just like, okay, it's time to fight against us and say no more. Right. I, you know, and it's so funny because I always tell people grief is the big revealer. You want to know what's important instantly, um, have someone die in your life. Um, Mm -hmm. All of a sudden it becomes very clear of what's important and who's important. Right. Right. And, and so I like to think of you as someone who is letting you figure this out before learn your lesson before the tragedy happens. Yeah. The prevention. Yeah. The prevention, Mm -hmm. the prevention. Um, So you had lost your father. Was it a few years back? I did in 2016. Uh, and so um, how did grief af- affect you as showing up as a mother? Um, did you find yourself putting your grief on the back burner just because, because that's what I did? Yes, a- that's exactly what I did. So I did have the opportunity. So I live here in Montana and my, um, I grew up outside of Philadelphia. And so when we had moved here in 2009 and then in 2015, my dad, um, he had pancreatic, he got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And I remember like where I was standing when I got the news that he only had three to six months to live. Like my mom, you know, she called me up and of course, like I felt the bottom like drop from beneath me. And, um, we, I, I called my husband and we decided to, to drive across on Christmas and surprise like my whole family and surprise my dad and everything. And then I also bought a ticket. So I drove, we drove there. Then we drove all the way back across country. And then two days later I flew across and with my youngest and I ended up having the amazing opportunity to be able to stay with him for three months. Um, Of course, now I'm like, Oh, I should have stayed longer, but three months was at that point, like, I had five other kids at home. And so my husband was holding down fort, like, thank God for him. He was able to hold down the fort and like get everyone to school and all that. And it got to be like, okay, I had to make the choice. I had to make the choice between staying there or coming back for my other five kids. And so being my, being a mom, like that had a huge impact on my decision. And so I did decide to come back and um, like, he ended up passing away in April. So about two months after I came back mm-hmm. and we flew over for the funeral, you know, and everything was like, I felt like that was like a whirlwind. Right. And then flew back and had to jump right back into being a mom, had to be, have jump right back into like, everyone's got to be places. And, and, you know, it was the end of the school year. So like all like things were going on. And then summer, like never had time to, to process the grief. And before that I had actually gone through, like that was in 2011 was when I really started making the commitment to start changing the way I feel towards myself. And that of course led to me taking better physical care of myself. And I had lost a lot of weight. So then when my dad had passed away, coming back, I had finally reached my goal weight. And over the next few years, I had a lot of transitions and a lot of things happened that I never really grieved. And so even today, I still struggled. Like, I mean, and I, I feel like that this is also a normal thing. Like, in the shower, like I'll, I'll cry or like just certain things will remind me of him and I'll cry. Like we made this, um, 
he loved music. He loved guitars. So I have his old guitar and my husband made a shadow box and like we have his music and everything. And like every time, like I, I'll look at that and just like have like these tender memories and just pictures, like just, I feel like that's normal. Right. right. So normal, right. but I, it took me a long time to get to that point because for a long time, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't properly grieve. or I couldn't allow myself to feel the feelings. It just, took a while. It took a lot, much longer time than if I had actually given myself that space to right. grieve right. because I had, I had to do everything that I had to do. Right. Right. And, and so I think part of that self-care is to make that time available, mm-hmm. even if it's to go see a counselor, even if it's to yeah. go to a grief group, even if it's to um, hire a grief coach and do that work or yeah. go away for a weekend um, to do a grief retreat, something yes. to get you into a better state of mind because it, 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 it affects the whole, it affects it the does. whole, right? It does. And I did start seeing a therapist and that was like my, my main thing. I was like, I feel like I just, I couldn't get past. I couldn't move on until I dealt with those feelings right. until I started unpacking them and making sense of them so that I could move on. And, and so, yeah. That's a very important thing I want moms to know too, is that sometimes it might just be talking it out with someone, Mm -hmm. you know, life is hard and this pandemic (laughs) has made it way harder and add anything onto that. And it's even more difficult. My gosh, um, one thing alone is stressful. You add all of these things and we could be at crisis level. And so the only one who can take any action that can make any changes that can take any control is us. And that's why I think it's so important for me to have you on our podcast today, Um, regardless of whether it's dealing with grief or anything, because I think we're all grieving as we have gone through Mm -hmm. this pandemic and, um, and we need that self-care on anything you would like to, to leave, um, our listeners with today. Just make sure that you're being intentional. That's, that's the other thing, you know, self-care is never going to just happen. If, especially if you're not used to doing it, schedule time for yourself, schedule a date with yourself each and every day, whether it's 10 minutes or 30 minutes, do something, ask how, what do I need today? And how can I give that to myself? And where can people find you? So I'm mostly on Facebook. I've got um, the Moms Without Capes Facebook group. That's where I love hanging out. And I also have a Moms Without Capes podcast. So if you are interested in what we talked about today, definitely head on over there and subscribe and like and listen. And I can be found on Instagram too, but I like Facebook and podcasting better. Thank you for listening to the Graduating Grief Podcast. For more information on the Graduating Grief community, workshops, and retreats, go to www.sherrydunlevy.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and share.